Hello, gorgeous ladies. Today we have another fabulous guest interview with Miss Taylor Hudgens. Taylor and I are going to be talking all things real estate investment and how you can get started in real estate investment as a way of building wealth for yourself and your family. Taylor is equally passionate about real estate and her local community of Hampton Roads, Virginia. As part of the own real estate family, she is focused on helping families find their next home or investment property. A passionate real estate investor herself, when Taylor isn't in the office, you'll often find her enjoying time with her friends and family, including her newborn daughter. Taylor's expertise is at guiding families through the home buying experience and helping them invest in real estate as a local realtor. And what I love about this interview and about Taylor is she makes investing in real estate sound so accessible. I know that can be something that seems very inaccessible to many of you, but the way that Taylor talks about it and sharing her own story and how she got started with real estate investment, I think is going to open your eyes to just how accessible this can be for you. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. You're here because you're a high achieving woman that wants it all the success, wealth, time freedom, and genuine joy in your life. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm here to tell you, you can, you can have it all. But what is true wealth? It's not just money and achievements because success without happiness and fulfillment isn't success at all. Here, we're going to have conversations about creating a beautiful life alongside the success that you're striving for. If you want to create long-lasting success that's fully in alignment with the life you desire to live by working less, making more, and stepping into the version of yourself you've always wanted to be, then you're in the right place. Let's roll into today's episode. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I have a fabulous guest interview here today. I am so excited to welcome Taylor Hudgens onto the podcast. She is a new mom. So if you hear any baby noises in the background, she's got her four-month-old daughter swinging in her swing. She didn't want to go down for a nap quite yet. If you're a mom, you know how that goes. You just kind of roll with the punches. So we are going for it. But if you hear some noises, that's what you're hearing. I also have my dog in my office with me, and she seems to be taking a nap and snoring. So you might just pick up on some interesting noises in the background. But Taylor and I actually met on a mastermind that we were both in with the beautiful and wonderful Aislinn Walton, who has already been on the podcast. And we just hit it off right away. Taylor is a real estate agent in Virginia. And so I wanted to have her on to talk all things real estate and real estate investment for beginners, because this is the Wealthy Woman podcast. And we're talking about creating wealth in various areas. And I know myself and so many of you who are listening 
are very interested or intrigued by using real estate to create wealth. So Taylor, welcome. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you because I absolutely love how you talk about real estate investment. And we're going to start with you sharing your story, but you make it so accessible. And I know that sometimes it can feel really inaccessible. You know, you have to, you think you have to be making a certain amount of money. You have to be at a certain place with your, within your finances. And I think that people are going to really be surprised at how, how not easy, but how, how soon you can get into real estate investment and the the different ways that you can really like dip your toe in and start working your way into it. So why don't you start off by sharing your story with us and how you got into real estate and investing in real estate? Of course. So yes, my biggest thing is I want to tell people and especially women that Investing is so possible no matter where you're at in life. Of course, everyone has different starting points. Um, So mine was kind of interesting, maybe. I actually started learning about it in 2018. I started listening to this podcast called Bigger Pockets and listening to a lot of real estate things. And at the time, I was like, oh my goodness, I can do this. And at the time, real estate just made sense to me. I was in a place in my life where I didn't really like my corporate job. So I was like, oh, there's just got to be more to life than working a corporate job, retiring someday, then living the life that you want. So I had started actually by Googling. I was like, my life would be so much better if I was just rich. So I Googled how to be rich, (laughs) which I know sounds terrible, but I was just desperate one day at 4 p.m. in my little cubicle. And that's how I came upon passive investments. And while real estate is pretty passive, it's not 100% passive. Um, But if anyone is interested, it's definitely a good way to get started. So I started diving into YouTube videos, books, podcasts, the whole nine yards. I was going to meetups. And in 2019, I bought my first real estate property for $59,000 and it was 698 square feet. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, Googling how to get rich. Yes. That is like so fitting for this podcast. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And I know... So many women can relate. Like yeah. you're in that job, it's not what you thought it was going to be. You're thinking like I cannot do this forever. Like yeah. I cannot. Like there has to be a better way. I've had that thought many times in my life. Like there has to be a better way. And yeah. so many incredible things come from that thought. But the thing I wanted to point out you guys is she said she bought her first real estate investment property for $59,000. So maybe that's a lot of money for some of you. Maybe it's not much for others, but can you tell us a little bit about that property that you bought? Yes. So my first one was a little baby rental property, but I was just so excited to finally be there. 
Um, so I had reached out to a mortgage lender and of course I needed to put down 20% for an investment property. That's not always the case, but in my case, that was what we were going to have to work with. So at the time I was in my very first job, well, not my very first, but I was making about $38,000 a year. So I wasn't out here rolling in the dough by any stretch. So I had to put down, I think between closing costs and down payment, I ended up putting down about $12,000. So I didn't even pay for it in cash. <laughs> so my mortgage payment, I believe was somewhere around 450 and we rented it for about 850 and I was stoked. Wow. So you basically yeah. were doubling your money yeah. every month. So you were paying the mortgage and then bringing in the amount that the mortgage was. Did yeah. you solely rent out that property or did you live there as well? What kind of property was it? So at the time I was with my then fiance. Um, so I had bought it to purely use it as a rental property. Buying a house and then turning it into a rental property is a great strategy, but at the time it didn't work for me and where I was in life. So I bought it purely as a rental. We did fix it up a little bit. Um, and then we rented it out for the entire time that I owned it. Okay. So you guys, how accessible does that sound to you? I know for me, when I think real estate investment, I think big numbers, like really big numbers. And it feels, it can feel very far away. It can be, it can feel like, oh, I'm not even close. I can't get there. But what Taylor is saying, and this does depend on where you live and what's available and the cost of property where you live. But, you know, where she lives, she was able to create an investment, like basically, like you said, a passive income mm -hmm. just by take, saving up her money and investing it in this rental property. So you said for that rental property, you solely used it for rental purposes. I know you don't own that property anymore. So can you kind of walk us through what happened after that? Yes. So I had purchased it, $59,000. Full disclosure, wasn't in the greatest area, but I felt okay with it. Um, and so then I owned that from 2019. I ended up having a lot of personal life things happen. I got married, divorced, life happened. And then I moved into my parents' place for a little while. Fast forward a little bit to the end of 2021. And I had the opportunity to buy a duplex from a friend who was willing to do seller financing. And not to get too complicated, but just so you know, seller financing is kind of where they act like the bank. So instead of me paying a mortgage to a bank, I pay a mortgage to the person who owns it. So in order to make that 20% down payment for the duplex, that was a little bit of a far reach for me. So I ended up selling that first property to end up buying the duplex for me to live in one side and rent out the other side. So you were able to sell that property. So while you own that property, you were making money on that property, then you were able to sell the property and then use the money that you made from that property to invest in a larger property. So you see yeah. how she's kind of working her way up. And then 
with that property, that duplex, you lived in one side and you rented out the other side. Yeah. And then where do we go? Where do we go from there? (laughs) And so even while I was at the duplex, I was super single. So I even got a roommate to come live with me. And I'm, since I'm a real estate agent, my income can be really awesome and it can be nothing all month to month. So it all depends. So having a duplex and having someone else pay my mortgage felt very secure to me when my income wasn't always super secure. So that was really nice to have. And then fast forward, I ended up meeting my now husband and I moved in with him and now I fully rent out the entire duplex. So now the duplex is just a passive income for you. Yeah. So you have, so you have renters in both sides and do you foresee yourself holding on to this? Uh, This particular property, probably for a long time where it's located, there's a lot of new things going up. A lot of new businesses coming into that area. A lot of new construction going into that area. So I really, I really foresee that house appreciating pretty well over the next 10 years. I don't know that we'll keep it for the rest of our lives, but I do think we'll hold on to it for quite a bit of time. I love how you, you got in and then you leveraged what you had to invest in something bigger. And now obviously you have the duplex and are renting out both sides. And then you have the home that you currently live in. So yeah. the duplex is a completely is a complete investment property on its own. And yeah. I can totally see from here you investing in more real estate at some point and building this portfolio of real estate. I could I can totally see you doing that. But the reason I wanted Taylor to share her story is because again, you can see that this is so accessible and it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be daunting, but it can feel very overwhelming if you aren't familiar with how the process works, if you don't have someone guiding you through it. So today, what I really wanted Taylor to walk us through is kind of like the beginner points for how you can get into investing in real estate, and then how it can be used as a a tool to build wealth in your future. So why don't we start there? Like how is inv- how can investing in real estate be used as a great tool for your future financial success? So I think it all really depends on what everyone's goal is at the end of the day, because there are a million ways to invest in real estate. Real estate is wildly beautiful when it comes to building wealth. There's so many ways to do it, and you really just get to pick whatever flavor suits you best. Um, For me, for example, I love rental properties. I love having something that I own. I love having something that's being paid off over time by someone else, essentially. Um, I love that it's going to appreciate and grow in equity over time. And I love that it's just something I own can touch and nothing can really change. Of course, the market changes over time, but generally speaking, values will always go up in the long term. Um, But if rentals maybe aren't floating your boat, maybe you don't want to be a landlord, that's also fine. You can also hire a property manager. So if you don't want to 
answer any telephone calls about plumbing being busted in the middle of the night. You definitely don't have to if you don't want to. You can definitely go that route, but you also can purchase a house that needs a little love, flip it, and then turn that into a rental or sell it and use the cash for that to go buy something else. Um, and of course, you can also do a traditional flip where you buy a house that needs maybe a lot of love and then you flip it <laughs> and use that uh, cash for whatever you may need. Maybe it's for another project. Maybe it's for your personal life, whatever you need at that time. That money's there for you. So I think it really just depends on how long you're wanting to hold on to the property, what your goals are, you're saying, because obviously if you're investing in something to flip it and sell it right away, you're going to be looking at something different than if you're thinking, I want to invest in something where I hold on to it for a long time. I let it appreciate in value. I let someone else maybe manage it or I let someone or people, you know, rent it out and are paying the mortgage on it. So there are various ways that you can invest in real estate. I know one thing you didn't touch on either was commercial real estate. You can invest in commercial yeah. real estate. You don't, it doesn't have yeah. to be residential. So there's commercial real estate, there's residential real estate, there's investing to flip, there's investing to hang on to it. There is, um, you know, we, we go to Montana often to go skiing. And a lot of the properties that we rent out there are people's second homes or third homes, depending. <laughs> you never quite know with some of these properties. But they use the properties when they want, and then they hire a service to mm -hmm. basically Airbnb the property when they're not there. So they kind of get the best of both worlds where they get to use the property and it's their their property. But then they also, when they're not there, they're renting it out and they're making money on the properties. So you can go that way too. And it just really opens your eyes, I think, to all of the different ways that you can potentially build wealth and make money when it comes to real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another piece too is um, <laughs> syndications as well. If you wanted to be a super passive partner in a big project, there are definitely groups out there that invest in senior home living facilities or like you said, commercial strip malls or apartment buildings. So if you wanted to be completely hands-off, there are options out there for that as well. Oh, I love that idea too. That is wonderful. So there are so many ways that you can get into real estate investment and at so many different levels. So Buying real estate really can be for anyone if they want it to be. And I know this is something you really wanted to dive into because, like I said, it can feel very overwhelming. And oftentimes I think, especially women think, it's not for me. Like I'm not at that place financially yet where I could do that. And maybe they're not, but maybe they are and they don't realize it. Yeah, it's definitely different for everyone. And also kind of deciding on what you feel good about and what kind of budget you feel good about investing with. For me, when I first started, I was just excited to have rental property 
at any point with any kind of size, any location, maybe not any location, but (laughs) I was willing to be flexible in certain areas and I wasn't willing to be flexible in others. So it's kind of, I know this is very vague, but deciding on what you want and what you're okay with. But yeah, but it's kind of, you can start at any point. The biggest and most common way to start is to buy just a very basic budget-friendly house. It does not have to be pretty, but yeah, so it's definitely accessible to anyone who wants to start. I know one of the most common ways for a lot of people to start is to buy something to live in, something simple, something very budget-friendly, something that doesn't need a ton of base or maintenance at all, and then turn that into a rental after they live there for a year, two years, or whenever they're ready to make a move. That's one of the most common ways to get started because you're buying it as a primary residence and primary residential loans require way less down than an investment loan. So then they would live there for a few years and then look at buying another property, move out of that property and then rent the first property out. Is that what you're saying? Yes. A lot of people can do it that way if you want to. That sounds like it might work for you and your lifestyle and what you've got going on at the time. Okay, so if someone is sitting here and they're like, this sounds very intriguing to me, I feel like this is something that is accessible to me now that I've been listening. Where would you start? Like, what are the first things that you would tell her to get clear on and to define before she dives into this process? I would say the biggest thing that you really need to get clear on is what you need right now. Are you looking for something that's going to give you passive income? Do you want to invest in the long term? Because you're going to look at different properties based on that criteria rather than do you need cash fast? Do you want to do a flip? In that case, we're going to look at a different kind of property that has different kinds of numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, For the most part, most of my clients that I come across are looking for the long term. So if that's the case, the next step would be to go ahead and probably talk to a lender on where you are financially. They'll take a look at your credit score, take a look at your loan to debt ratios, things like that, or your income to debt ratios. And what they'll do then is give you an idea of how much you could get approved for at this moment in time or what steps you need to take in order to get approved. Mm -hmm. Okay. So figure out what your goal is because that's really going to dictate everything. It's kind of what you're saying. That's the first step is like, what do you want to get out of this investment? Is it something you're going to hang on to long term? Is it something you're going to flip? Because that really guides the next steps. And if it's something that you're wanting to hang on to more in terms of a long-term investment, then you would meet with a mortgage provider or a lender and figure out, you know, what do I feel comfortable putting down or what am I approved for, number one? And then what do I feel comfortable with putting down, right? Because those numbers can be different. We, You can be approved for a lot more than what you actually feel comfortable letting oh, go yeah. of in terms of a down payment or a monthly mortgage payment or what you think you can get in terms of renting out a house. If you're like, I might be approved for this, but I'm not sure based on the real estate stats in my area that I'm going to get 
that in terms of a rental income. So there's a lot that goes into it, but that is a great place to start. And like Taylor said, it is, it's pretty simple and straightforward once you decide what your goals are. Doesn't make it easy. (laughs) Does not make it easy. (laughs) But right, it can be simple if you want it to be, depending on what you're looking for. And I hope you guys are hearing that there are really are so many different options. I think there really is something out there for everyone. So we've talked about this in the podcast before, but keeping yourself open to limitless opportunities, limitless ways of something coming to you. She talked about seller financing, which you might be familiar with, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of seller financing. I know I've heard of, I had heard of seller financing quite a few years ago, but the first time I heard about it, I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? My husband was telling me about it and I was like, wow, I feel like a lot of people don't know about that. Maybe it's more common now, but at that point, I was like, I had never heard of that, and I had owned a home already, and I thought the only way that you could finance a home was through getting a loan through a bank, but there are various ways that you can go about doing this, so staying open to all of the potential ways and not limiting yourself in terms of how this could all potentially unfold, so The next thing I really wanted to touch on is having your money work for you. So how can you use real estate investment to have your money work for you? Because I know for me, I'm all about the passive income. Like if I can find ways for my money to make more money without me having to do much, I am all about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of what, again, what you feel comfortable with. But at the end of the day, when you are buying a house, you're usually putting down some kind of down payment. But at the end of the day, when you're putting a renter in there, the renter is paying your mortgage. And essentially, there's hopefully some kind of cash flow coming in. So if you're buying a house and maybe the mortgage is $2,000 and you're able to rent it out for $2,700, just making numbers up here, but hopefully you're getting $700 a month. Maybe you're putting some of that aside for future repairs because with the long-term investment, obviously the roof is going to need to be replaced at some point. The hot water heater has to be replaced. All these things will have to be maintained over the long-term course, but some of that money will be there if you need it. Sometimes you also get a lot of appreciation. So again, all you did was make that down payment. Someone else is paying the mortgage and hopefully the equity is growing over time. So if you're owning this property for 10, 15, 30 years, hopefully now it's worth much more than you bought it for. The other good thing to do is if you're open to it, I'm not very handy, so I hire a handyman or contractor, but you can also buy a house that needs maybe a kitchen renovation or a bathroom renovation. And that will also go ahead and push your equity as well. So that way your house is worth so much more than you bought it for. The key is to buy a good deal in the beginning, and that's going to determine how much money you're going to make on the back end too. So would you say there's a good amount of research that goes into buying a really good rental property in your experience, does it take some time to find a place that really fits all of those things? Or does it kind of just depend on the person and 
kind of what they're comfortable with. What do you think? I think, like you said, it depends on the person. I am probably a very basic strategist when it comes to my properties. At the time, I knew I needed a place to live in when it came to buying the duplex. And I knew I could have someone else paying the other side or the other units and having a roommate. I knew that was covering my mortgage. And I knew that that was good enough for me at the time. If you're going out to buy purely a rental property that's going to be rented as soon as you buy it, of course, you can definitely look at the rental numbers of your potential rental income. But some people like to go into it way further. Some people like to go ahead and analyze cap rates and different ratios that go with it. I'm basic. I just want to know how much I can rent it for, how much the mortgage is, and how much I need to put aside for repairs. And that's how I leave it. But some people are very analytical and maybe going into deeper analytics makes you feel more comfortable about moving forward with the purchase. So if that is something that is a big deal for you, then it might take a little longer to make all of your number goals line up. But again, if I really feel like it depends on you and what you feel best about. For me, I just need to know the basics and that's what I stick to. But I also only have one duplex at the moment. So I might feel very (laughs) different by the time I have 30. So what you look for in a property now might be different than what you look for in a property once you have five or six under your belt. So just start wherever you feel most comfortable. Okay. So I have a really good question for you. Okay. What are the biggest mistakes you see people make first in terms of looking for an investment property? The biggest mistake I see people make, the biggest mistake, at least in our area, every area is different, but a lot of people are very excited about short-term rentals, obviously because you can make a lot more money doing a short-term rental than a long-term rental. Um, With that, though, in our area, we have a lot of city restrictions when it comes to short-term rentals. But a lot of people go into it with the idea of, oh, I'll buy this house, turn it into an Airbnb, and be totally fine. But make sure, if that is your idea, it's a great strategy, but make sure you're looking at your city laws because a lot of places are very short-term renter-friendly, and some areas really aren't. So don't buy a house with the idea and one strategy in mind and then have to completely let it go, start over, and maybe be in the hole because of that. Make sure to do your research about the area that you're looking at. You guys, this is great advice because this is not something that I would ever think of. And I know probably many of you would never think of that either, is to really look into what are the laws around renting property in your area. Specifically in our area, I know there are some laws around short-term rentals. I don't believe you can even list your house on Airbnb or like VRBO in my area. I think you have to go about it in different ways. So it would be terrible (laughs) to go buy a property that you think you can rent out on a short-term basis only to, in hindsight, find out that the laws in your area prohibit that. So Taylor's saying, make sure you do your research up front before you get into any sort of renting. And I know, Taylor, you talked about this, I think, in a reel that you did because you were thinking about renting out or when you were thinking about renting out the other side of your duplex, 
I don't I don't remember the exact details, but you talked about this, about looking into this in your area. Yes. So my duplex also happens to fall in a HOA. So HOAs and condos have their own set of bylaws that you have to look into. Some don't care about rental restrictions. Some say you have to rent your property out for at least six months. Some HOAs only allow a certain number of properties in the neighborhood to be rentals. So every HOA is a little different. Our HOA does not really prefer short-term renters. So I decided to go ahead and rent it on a midterm basis. So I furnished the upstairs unit because I was living there. I already had a couch, washer, dryer, TV. And when I moved in with my husband, I was like, well, we might as well furnish the rest of it. So in order to do that, we decided to go with a midterm rental. So a midterm rental is pretty much doing a furnished rental on a month month basis. So we can rent it for a little more than a yearly renter. Um, But we decided to do that in order to get around the bylaws of the HOA and the area in general. Wow. (laughs) So you guys, there's short-term rentals, there's long-term rentals, there's midterm rentals. There's so many things to look into here. So you have to take that into consideration. So that's one of the biggest mistakes you see people make when they're going into the rental process. What is one of the biggest mistakes you see people make when they are looking to sell their rental property? Oh, to sell a rental property, it is tough, but not impossible. The biggest thing is if you can try to sell it when you don't have a tenant in there. I know that maybe sounds very obvious to some people, but sometimes people will put their homes on the market with tenants in there, which is fine. And it does work. It can work, but you'll have so much more traction whenever you go to sell it where people can come in and out freely for showings, freely for inspections and things like that. You'll have a lot more traction, a lot more interest from a bigger pool of buyers than selling it with a tenant already in there, because then you can only really sell to other investors and investors are looking for a deal and they will offer you the lowest of low offers. (laughs) So to get the biggest bang for your buck, try to sell it when you don't have a tenant in there. I actually have personal experience with this, not me selling a property, but me buying a property. So the very first house I bought was a rental property before I bought it. And the owners rented it out to college students because it was right near a university. It was a very bad idea to have someone walk through the house with college students living there because it was a tornado, you guys. It was so bad when I walked through it. But me being 20, I think I was 27 at the time, I I had a bigger vision for it. It didn't really bother me. But the real estate agent had said, we're having a really hard time selling this house because of the condition that it's in, because of the girls. And it was girls, you guys. It wasn't even boys. Because of the <laughs> girls that are living here. Girls can be very, very, very messy. And so, and I, I could see that. And- that also can affect the kind of offers you get, right? Because if it's not put together, people have a hard time envisioning things. Like they just see what's in front of them for the most part. So most people do. So if you don't have someone walking through that can envision what it's going to look like, it could also decrease the value 
of the house because if it looks really nasty, (laughs) you're not going to get the same level of offers as if it's nice and clean and it's put together and it looks furnished and someone can be like, wow, this looks like a great place. 100%. So I know, and I'm, I'm kind of like prompting you here, but, um, you did another reel about this recently about one of the mistakes you made when you went to sell your property. (laughs) Yes. And I want to hear about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So as I mentioned, this was a very small two bed, one bath. 700 square foot house in a not so great area. But I was super excited at the time to buy it. So I didn't care. But when it came time to sell it, I knew, I knew based on the data, it was going to take a long time to sell. It was small. It was only two bed, one bath. And the area in general was taking a long time to sell or a longer time than other neighborhoods. But when I put it on the market, I knew all of these facts. But of course, when you don't see showings coming in, you don't see any traction coming in, you start to get really nervous. I was like, maybe I priced it too high. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I just priced it too high. So I went through the process of like slowly starting to decrease my price because I was so frantic. I was wondering why the heck I wasn't getting any traction, even though I knew deep down that this was going to be totally normal. So I ended up selling it for about 10K less than I think I could have sold it for. Everything turned out completely fine. But looking back now, I would have told told myself to have patience and actually just listen to the numbers and not my actual emotions about the process and not take it so personally, because at the end of the day, I'm going to get more money if I don't take it personally and just stick to the numbers. Do you see this happen often with sellers? Like in general, money, as much as we want money to be logical, money is very emotional. It's very (laughs) emotional. And so we do things all of the time with money that are not logical. (laughs) Right. So what Taylor is saying is, Try to do your best to take emotion out of it. And I I would think that if you're in a situation, if you put yourself in a good situation where you don't need things to happen really quickly for cash flow purposes, where you can be more patient, where you can just allow things to kind of move at the pace they need they they're going to move at. It's probably going to benefit you versus feeling like I need it to sell now and getting really attached to it. We also tend to get attached to our properties, especially if we've put a lot of sweat, blood and tears into them. (laughs) If we've, you know, and we've created memories there, you know, people get really attached to certain properties. And so if you can remain detached, (laughs) Do your best, right? Do your best to remain detached. Give yourself time and take the emotion out of it. You're probably going to end up in a better situation than if you allow those things to creep in. Yeah, 100%. Even when I was shopping for that first rental property, 
the best thing you can do is give yourself time, like you said. So that way you have time to process everything and to go off the data. We were looking at quite a few properties as we were trying to find the right one to go with. And we ended up putting an offer in on another house. The inspection came back pretty rough. And it was my first property. So it scared the living daylights out of me. So I was like, you know what? I think I just would rather not. I don't feel comfortable with this. So I ended up backing out of that property and ended up with this one. So like you said, whatever you do, try to keep it logical and keep it to the numbers as much as you can, because that will definitely give you an advantage whenever you're moving forward with your future projects and your investments. Such great advice. Okay, so we're kind of wrapping this up. But Taylor, what is one piece of advice you would just give someone who is listening to this and is like, this might be for me. Like after listening to this, I feel like this is potentially a route that I may want to look into, that I may want to go down. What what would you tell her? I would tell her to start doing a lot of research to find out if this is something you really want to move forward with. And if you do, just know that it is very possible for you if you want it to be. But make sure you get a full picture of exactly what you're getting into because you want to know exactly what you're getting into before you get into it, because purchasing any kind of property is a big deal at the end of the day. So if you're doing research on reading books and listening to YouTube videos about having rental properties and maybe keeping up the maintenance is kind of turning you off, or maybe if you decide you want to buy a property, test it out and then sell it, that's also probably not the best idea because property just works better as a long-term. So make sure you get a solid idea of what you're getting into. And I can give any resources that anybody would want as well. That's great advice, especially because I feel like there are so many TV shows these days. So (laughs) many. is like all the TV shows and, you know, flipping houses and making money. And it can leave you with a very like rose colored glasses view of what it's like to potentially like flip a property or own a rental property. But I know I was even watching the other day at the dentist, you know, they have the TV on the screen and HGTV is always on. And it was, I always feel like they, these people get themselves into these situations where they're like, I bought it for this much. And then I actually get into it. And this is different because a lot of times they're, they're uh, buying without any contingency. So there's no home inspection or anything. They don't really know what they're getting themselves into. And then they start opening things up and it's like, holy cow, wait a second. (laughs) You do not want that to be you, you guys, believe me. You do not want to get into a situation where you're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Yes, especially on your first one, because I feel like having the first rental will really set the pace on if you want to do this again, if you want more rentals, or if you're completely done with the whole idea and completely turned off. So definitely know or have a better idea of what you're getting into before fully committing and putting money (laughs) behind it. (laughs) It's never as easy as it looks, you guys, right? Like this is, I always tell my husband this because he is like the king of, well, I can do that. You know, I don't know if your husband is that way, but my husband is like, I can't believe they're charging that for that. I can totally do that. And he's one of those guys where you have to let him do it 
before wow. he'll realize that they actually can do it way better. And it's so funny because most of the time he'll go into it and then he gets upset because it doesn't go as smoothly as he thinks it should. And it takes way longer than he thinks it will. And then at the end, he's like, don't ever let me do that again. (laughs) He's like, I will happily pay somebody else to do this because it is way more difficult than it looks. (laughs) Right. But it's one of those things like you never really know till you're fully in it, but try to know as much as you can (laughs) if possible. Yes. Yes. Do your research. So I think that's Taylor's like big message is you can do this. Anybody can do this. Just do your research. Know what you're getting yourself into. Know what your goals are before Mm -hmm. you even begin looking, because it sounds like based on your goals, you're going to look at different things. Right. Okay. Well, Taylor, this has been absolutely incredible. So where can the ladies who are listening, where can they find you? Where they can where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about real estate from you? Um, mostly on Instagram. I try to post a reel about every day, but always feel free to message me there or stalk me. Also totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> I will be sure to include Taylor's Instagram information in the show notes. So all you have to do is scroll down and it all, will all be right there for you. So please go over there, follow her. Like I said, I watch all of her reels. She is so informative. She has such great tips, such great advice when it comes to not just real estate investment, but just buying and selling your home. So she is a real estate agent. And so she's mostly helping families buy and sell their homes in Virginia. And so if you're looking for tips on buying and selling, she is a wonderful resource for that as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren. This has been so great. Thank you so much for jumping on and thank you all for listening. We will talk to you at our next episode. Bye guys. Okay, you wealthy woman, real quick before you go, if you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, share this with your friends and leave me a review. Leaving a review is so simple, but I didn't know how to do it at the beginning either, so I'm going to walk you through it. All you have to do is whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, find this show, The Wealthy Woman, scroll down, you'll see stars, and with those stars, you can leave me a rating and review. I'd love you so much for taking the time to do this. In all honesty, the reviews are what help the podcast get into the hands of other women desiring to create true wealth and manifest their dream lives. Okay, I'll let you get back to your day. See you next time.